0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today I interview, once again, Lena Derhali. But this episode is a little different. We dive into the new case that has basically sweeped the entire country and world. Um, it's the four students at uh, the University of Idaho uh, campus that they were murdered off campus. And we dive deep into all the factual events and factual information that is out in the public, we also dive into the fact that she is a psychotherapist. She knows a lot of profilers, and she did a lot of research on on the profilers that are coming up with the, the profile of the suspect. And we talk about what that profile is and who they should be or who the police are actually looking for. And now that the FBI is involved, it's just taken a whole nother turn. So it's all factual. We don't go down any rabbit holes. If we do talk about something that is kind of, you know, not true or not factual or proven. We we established that from the beginning, but it's a really interesting look on what could have happened, what, what, what we know happened, and what we think is going to happen. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that bell notification so you get notified every single time I post new content. And enjoy this special episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast with Lena Derhali. Peace out. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. And today, once again, and now for a third time, uh, Lena Durhalli, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah. This might be my second appearance though.
0: Technically, it's your second because the well, it's the third, yeah. but the second one hasn't come out yet because yes. of the time sensitiveness of, yes. of this. So, what we're gonna talk about. So, what we're gonna talk about today is Strictly, the Idaho was it Moscow, Idaho?
1: Moscow, yeah,
0: is where these murders happened. Four Idaho University students, um, or University of Idaho students, uh, were killed, were, were murdered in a house off campus, um, right before Thanksgiving break. Um, it was four of them, and uh, was it here we go, Kaylee? I don't know how to say the last name,
1: Kaylee Gonzalez is how okay. you say it. Yeah, she
0: was 21. Mm-hmm. Madison, uh, Mogan 21 as well. Was it Zana?
1: Zana, I believe. Zana,
0: okay. Zana Kernodal, 20. And then her boyfriend, Ethan was 20 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so kick it off Lena. Cause it's, this is crazy.
1: It's crazy. And at first Corey, I want to thank you because I actually approached Corey and I was like, <laughs> I'm obsessed with this case. <laughs> Can we do an episode on it? So here we right. are. I All just right. think Well, because there's so much, as Corey and I were saying before we recorded this, um, there's so much information out there and a lot of it is speculative and theories. Um, And I think this is one of those cases like the Chris Watts case, which I've been on previously to discuss with Corey. It's one of these cases that really hooks people and it's just really, um, and it's so disturbing and it's everywhere. So I, I thought it would be good that we kind of explore this from a factual perspective.
0: Definitely, yeah. And, where and, do you want me to start? I mean, I, let's start from the from the from the beginning. From mm-hmm. you know what, like every well. Let's um. Let me think here. I think we should approach it like we said in the beginning, like from a factual, uh, direction. But you know, from what the news the the first news that broke, like that it was kind of up in the air. No one knew what really happened, and everyone I guess everyone suspected the people that were in the house, uh, first because there was no way that. Anyone could not hear you know, four people get murdered and other people not hear them in the house from what I gathered and the news. But that's, I think, went a different direction at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I first even heard vaguely about it before a lot came out, there was speculation, maybe it was a murder-suicide, maybe it was a drug overdose. Right. Nobody thought that, hey, somebody could walk into a home where six people were stabbed, four people to death. And in a very, from what I hear, the crime scene was incredibly gruesome and bloody you know they have pictures on uh, from the side the outside of the house where you can see what appears to be blood coming from the outside of the house seeping out Mm -hmm. from the inside so this was a really gory crime scene somebody comes in stabs four people to death walks out and here we are um we're a month out from when this happened so this happens Technically, November 13th, they believe they were killed between three and four in the morning. We're here December 11th, a month out, and there are still no suspects. And so somebody, yeah, essentially walked in, butchered people like a real life horror slasher movie, walked out, and is still free. Oh,
0: that's insane. That's good. Cr- I mean, okay. So, what do we know right now? Like, that's factual. Okay.
1: okay. So yeah, and I've been going over the press releases because I I do think it's important to use the language the police have released. And so what we do know is that there were two surviving roommates. Uh, I'm not going to name them. Their names are public now and out in the media, but I'm not going to name them personally. And the house uh, is three stories. And so there's two entry points to the house. On The first floor you could actually, it's its an above ground, but you can almost think of it as the, you know, the basement or lower level, even though it's not underground. There's one, the main doorway goes to the first floor, and then you have two bedrooms and a bathroom. The second floor, uh, you can uh, access the second floor by sliding glass doors that uh, go into a kitchen and a living room area, and then you have two bedrooms and one bathroom. Now there was only one roommate who was uh, had a bedroom on that floor at that time. We do know there was a sixth roommate who has uh, was not living at the house at the time of the murders. But Zanna and Ethan were in the bedroom on the second floor, and then you have to go up the stairs to the third floor where Kaylee and Maddie were. Right. And so, I, I nobody has really I think confirmed for sure the entry point of the killer but I know that I think a lot of people believe that it's essentially that he must've entered from the sliding glass doors. And maybe that's why the two roommates were spared because I think this is also the source of a lot of speculation is why did these two people live? Well, it's possible that this person, uh, the murderer walked in through the second floor, went up to the third floor and didn't even know there were two people on the bottom floor. So, you know, there's just a lot of, but we do know for a fact that the two roommates were in the bottom floor and survived. And we know that there's two entry points to the house.
0: So real quick, Mm -hmm. let me see. Can you see my screen?
1: Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. So that's, as you can see the first floor, entrance Just that's the where the house. yeah where the 1122 is that doorway that's where the two surviving roommates were on that floor
0: right
1: the floor above from the back of the house you can see that the sliding glass doors that's the second floor and the balcony above is the third floor where Kaylee and Maddie were right right uh Kaylee's father has spoken out to the media a lot and he said that Kaylee and Maddie were in the same bed when they were killed so they were actually in the same room so what we do know is it's likely that Kaylee and Maddie were in the same room and Zana and Ethan were in the same room so technically the killer only had to go into two rooms
0: Hmm. and this is the third floor appears. yeah and I believe
1: that's Kaylee's room from what I understand and they were I believe they were killed in Maddie's room So that was not the the site of the murder. So we do know that. Another fact um, that we do know is that the police say that the 911 call, so let's say they were killed November 13th between three and four in the morning is the estimate. The 911 call was made at noon Mm -hmm. on November 13th or, you know, a few minutes before, like 1156 or something. And they said that it was from one of the roommate's phones, but it was not a roommate who made the call. So there were other people who came to the house and that it was a report of an unconscious person. So even in the press release, the police say that uh, that the report was that they had thought somebody on the second floor had passed out and the 911 call was for an unconscious person. So then in the press release, the police say, when they arrived, you know, the roommates had other friends there and that the call was made from inside the house. Now there's some rumors and speculation that a roommate had seen what had happened and ran outside and passed out. And the 911 call was about the roommate that had passed out. But the press the press release in the language is that the, the call was made from inside the house about an unconscious person that they believe had passed out. So this is really interesting because You know, you think you live in a college house and the kitchen's on the second floor. And if you're worried about one of your roommates, you know, you would think, oh, you would just kind of barge in there. Right. So people don't know if the doors were locked from the inside or not. So this has been really kind of interesting and confusing as well is did the roommates see anything. It doesn't sound like it from the language of the press release. So it sounds like, you know, that they were worried about someone. And it also says that the cops, uh, when they arrived on the scene, that they were the ones that found all four bodies. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like any of the roommates or the people that they called to the house saw the bodies, again, just looking at the factual language from the press release. Okay. we know that as well.
0: So how my brain initially goes to how can four people, like you said, get butchered? And no one hear this, especially when there's two people basically on the other side of a wall.
1: Right. Well, yeah. The, so there's been a lot of speculation about that, too, is that maybe the way the house was or that college kids learn because this was a party house. So this has been established, too, that these people had parties all the time. People were in and out. People knew the door code. So there was a door, a pad padlock door code. Um, And so that, you know, when you're in college and it's a party house, you learn to tune things out. So maybe they had earplugs in, maybe they Mm -hmm. had music, you know, or
0: drunk and sleeping and just out.
1: Yeah. And people also said, you know, the coroner, again, here's some more factual evidence. The coroner's coroner's press release said that they were likely asleep when Mm -hmm. they were killed. So that that sounds like an ambush to me. Um, it also sounds like, you know, if they got stabbed in the throat or something like that, or from shock, they may not have screamed. And mm-hmm. so, again, it was a party house, people were in and out. So even if the first floor roommates had heard, you know, rustling or someone walking up the stairs, they may their first thought is probably not, oh, there's a mass murderer in my house with a knife who's about to butcher four people. So, and even if they did hear something unsettling, you know, I think we all have had moments when we've heard something. We're like, am I being paranoid? Yeah, Mm. probably, you know, go back to sleep kind of thing. Right. So I think it is um, totally likely they could have slept through, especially if the two surviving roommates had been drinking heavily, you know, and maybe they just passed out and were out cold. So there, I think there's lots of explanations for why they didn't hear it. What I think is really interesting is, you know, as, the month has progressed and more has come out, there's actually new body cam footage from uh, some officers that were called to the field behind this house around three in the morning. And so one of the officers, you can see the body cam footage is online as well. Like you can see the house from his 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 body body cam. cam. So like you can see um, one of the lights on the third floor go off at a certain point point. and so that's you know maybe when they went to bed or whatever but there is um body cam footage allegedly there's ring doorbell footage from a neighbor who know that Kaylee and Maddie got home from a bar that they were at at 1 a.m so if they caught Kaylee and Maddie coming home you know depending on what entrance I'm thinking it was probably from the front but somebody saw them either get out of uh they had a private rideshare not an Uber, but, you know, I think it was affiliated with the, the university, a safe ride home. So we do know there was uh, ring doorbell footage. We now know that there's some body cam footage from the field behind the house between 3 and 4 a.m. There was an overwhelming amount of uh, evidence left. You know, Kaylee's dad had said that the killer was very sloppy and left a ton of evidence. And we have the FBI on it. The state of Idaho, Idaho has allotted a million dollars to this investigation. And you know, we still can't figure out, well, who did this?
0: Right. I think too, like, you know, you knowing how like people like the killers like this would think there's a lot to be said about how I saw the conference with the father saying how sloppy it was. And it's like, okay, they have all these resources and all this money. And I know things take time
1: mm-hmm. They're
0: probably going to fast track this. Cause you got, you know, four white kids murdered brutally like this. They're going to yeah. of course put a lot of resources into it. And I, I think that, you know, if he's sloppy if there's fingerprints if there's dna i mean because you know as you know in in knife victims Mm -hmm. a lot of it i mean these guys were probably sleeping like the coroner said so there might not have been a lot of fighting back Mm -hmm. uh like you normally would because most killers that stab people have wounds themselves because the knife gets so bloody and it slides their hands and so on and so forth so like the fact that there's none of that, there's no DNA, there's nothing like that has been at least out in the press is kind of surprising to me.
1: Yeah, and actually the coroner did say that she did not state which victims, but some of the victims had defensive wounds. And so usually when we know somebody has defensive wounds, they may have DNA under their fingernails. Right. Uh, Corey and I were both local to the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. The case uh, back in 2015, the mansion murders here in D.C., they caught the guy because he had ordered a pizza during this home invasion and he, and he killed, you know, the three members of the family and their housekeeper. And then he torched the place, but they were able to salvage evidence before, you know, it burned completely down and they caught oh. him because he left DNA on the pizza crust.
0: That's fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. So that he had he, ordered from Domino's while he had this family under, yeah. you know, in a home invasion. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, these days you'd think with with DNA, but it's you know, what it sounds like to me is that they don't this particular killer doesn't have his DNA in a database. So, you know, the mansion murders, the guy was a prior offender, so they had his DNA. Right. So I think that's an important piece of information that I think um this is my speculation, but I think that this is I, I'm not sure if this is his first time killing humans, but it sounds to me like this is probably the first major offense um and that he's flown under the radar.
0: Well, that's a good point because uh, they actually arrested um, a convicted killer a mile away uh, right. who who had a slice on his arm, but it was much more fresh than a couple of weeks uh, yeah. ago. And you know, that's where I'm. they like ruled him out almost immediately. Yeah. A couple days later, they ruled him out. And I would say they probably have some sort of DNA evidence yeah. of the killer. And they yeah. said, okay, to that and guy, it's not, it's, him. It's not yeah. him because yeah. he obviously he's been, he, he murdered. So he killed someone, he killed him, he, he shot a man. So like, yeah, he's definitely in a database somewhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And he probably had cut had an alibi as well you know it was probably pretty easy to rule him out because yeah the the prior criminal history so that's why i think that that i think personally that this is a first-time killer of humans Mm -hmm. it's not to say that this person hasn't killed animals before that's usually how they start right again going back to chris watts another case you and i have talked about it's a family annihilation but it's also a mass murder he killed three people and an unborn child he had zero criminal offenses i mean the guy probably didn't even have a speeding ticket he was right. such a law abider so you know when a lot of people um say oh that somebody can't kill four people at once for the first time they definitely can so um that's that's my opinion and anyway.
0: and, the, and the other side of this too you have to consider is the 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 way that this was done is extremely uh I'm not saying intimate, but, um, uh, what's the word like personal purse, very personal. I mean, when you stab someone, that's, that's like a whole different bracket, I think of, of violence and, and this manner into how the, you know, you said earlier, the crime scene was apparently extremely gruesome. Um, I don't know, that just takes a different kind of person in my, in my and, and also yeah. most times when people are stabbed, it's a crime of passion in a way, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. maybe you did know them. So you already have this kind of, You know, Mm -hmm. internal conflict with them that drives you to be that kind of personal. I don't know.
1: Well, that brings us to another important point, which is was this a targeted attack or not? Because this Mm -hmm. has been a huge controversy. Now, I have the initial, the original press release um, that came out pretty early. It was November 15th. So, this is just two days after the crime had occurred. And it says the city of Moscow Police Department would like to address community concerns about public safety. We hear you and we understand your fears. We want you to know that we, like you, have been devastated and distressed by these young lives that were cut short needlessly. But here's the important point. We determined early in the investigation that we do not believe there is an ongoing threat for community members. Evidence indicates that this was a targeted attack. At this time, we have shared every piece of information that we can without compromising the ongoing investigation. Now what's kind of been an SHIT show, I know we're explicit so I could probably say.
0: Yeah. A shit show. A
1: shit show, yeah. E <laughs> for explicit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so yes, I know that it's been a shit show because the prosecutor's spoken, other people have spoken, they'll say it was targeted, they they'll walk it back um but I think one thing that they have been pretty consistent about is that they have some kind of evidence that this was a targeted Attack and now Kaylee's father, and some of the media interviews he's given, has said that the killings were different in nature. That somebody, you know, from what he's alluding to, that somebody was killed in a much more vicious manner than the others, you know, which would, you know, give some evidence that in fact this was a targeted attack. Uh, so I think there's just so much we don't know that the police and FBI are holding on to, and including motive, and, you know, their evidence for this alleged targeted attack. But then, you know, there's also the question, well, who was the target? That's where a lot of the theories and speculation come in. Was the house targeted? Was it one person? Was it two people? You know, that's what we really don't know. But I think when you take this original press release, you know, I think that they have to have some pretty Interesting information to suggest that it was targeted by just from releasing that statement. I think they're trying to be very careful um, about compromising the investigation if this does go to trial.
0: That's a good point. And, and also, too, you're, you, they would not, that's two days or a day or two after that happens. Yeah. That's typically like, you know, they're not just going to say, oh, don't worry about the community. They would definitely, definitely yes. let people know, like, this isn't, random watch out this person is out there doing this
1: yeah um
0: so you're right they probably have some sort of evidence information that they're withholding and they clearly do because i mean you know just saying any investigation they don't want to give too much information because there might be certain things that the killer doesn't know or that the killer would only know that no one else would but um so what does that say about this person i know we talked off camera that there was a lot of uh, you know profilers that were doing their their job yeah. of profiling this what are they saying and what do you think about it
1: yeah i mean i i'm really interested in that part you know and i was interested i watched as many profilers as i could on youtube you know some of the top in the nation have been interviewed for this case and a lot of them have said the same thing and it kind of matched up with what i was thinking cuz i'm very interested in in criminology and profiling as well even though that's not my main field and so I think the general consensus among most, I won't say all because I haven't watched all of them, you know, or whatever is out there, but most is that it looks to be a white male in his twenties or thirties. I think it's not in the inner circle, but it's likely someone that they had contact with at some point. So it could be, you know, an acquaintance or even further out from an acquaintance, maybe even some, you know, like a one-time interaction at some point or a stalker. You know, one of the things I think is interesting that we bring up is is the social media component, which we can get to Mm -hmm. after this as well. But I will say before we get to that, that I I believe that somebody was watching their social media profiles. Um, What's really interesting, and I think really eerie and foreshadowing, is that Kaylee posted a photo just mere hours before she was murdered. And it was all the victims were in the photo together. Now, remember Ethan... Did not live at the house. Uh, he lived at the Sigma Chi fraternity, which was essentially across the street from the King Street house. But, um, you know, he was in the photo with all five of the roommates who were living there. And Kaylee wrote a caption and she said, So lucky to be surrounded by these people every day. And it was a slideshow and a series of pictures of the roommates acting all happy together. Now, here's what's interesting as well, is that Kaylee had essentially almost moved out by this point. She was actually supposed to graduate. Um, I believe the graduation is today yeah. or yesterday. Um, she was going to graduate early and move to Austin, Texas, um, but she had was only visiting for the weekend. So she had been home yeah. with her family. And she had just bought a Range Rover. She was also very driven and she worked really hard. You know, she had jobs and she had bought not a brand new Range Rover. It was used. Um, And she was excited to show it to Maddie. So she came back for that weekend with the Range Rover to show Maddie. And so there's some interesting piece there. Um, Again, that's that's a speculative piece about, well, what does that mean? But I think. You know, when we find out um, more information, which eventually we will, I do think that there there will come to light. There's something about her being there that weekend. I don't know if that makes her the target. We don't mm. know, you know, but there's something about her. Yes, that's the photo.
0: This is the one that you're talking about with yes. all of them in it, right?
1: Yeah. And that's Kaylee writes the caption. So lucky to be surrounded by these people every day. Right. So my speculation, I believe that the killer was watching the social media profiles and watching the patterns and the movements of these people, you know, knew they were home. But I also think that, you know, this is likely somebody who is aggrieved by one of them and this in in trying to get back at them and something about this picture of these people being happy together infuriated this person. Hmm. Do we know know
0: which victim had more attention to them as far as the. Killings.
1: We do not. Mm. All we know is Kaylee's dad. And I don't I don't think the police are probably happy about him even sharing that information. Was that the killings he's you know, they said they did not match up. There was like there's not an equality to them. It seems like one person may have been, or two, we don't know. We do know again that if there were two targets, it was likely either Kaylee and Maddie or Ethan and Xana, just because they were almost like, you know, the two best friends. Since they were about 12 years old, the girls and sleeping in the same bed. And then Ethan and Zanna were the couple right. sleeping in the same bed. Wow. So, yes, I think we have somebody um, and the criminal profiles were profilers were also say that, you know, this is somebody who's likely a psychopath, meaning this was a very um, uh, risky killing. So, somebody is like we had said in the beginning, like somebody who can take a risk like that. This is one person entering a home with six people. He could easily have been taken out, right? But this is somebody, again, who probably watched the house and stalked them and knew where he was going and knew what he was doing. And, you know, this was a party house. He chose the house on the night that it was eerily quiet, I hear, you know, that there weren't any other people there. So, This is somebody who had information about the house. And again, a a psychopathic individual. Uh, I also believe that he's a sadist and that he, and again, other criminal profilers have also said he probably enjoyed these killings. Maybe he has a souvenir from them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's getting off on all the media attention. Here we are, but um, enjoying it, enjoying the fact that he's not caught, you know, that's the narcissistic side. Uh, because the narcissism is so extreme in this, that again, that risk, um, to be able to take that risk and walk out and leave such a sloppy crime scene with all these cameras around and DNA and everything and walk away. I mean, you know, he's gloating that it's been a month and he's watching and probably enjoying right. this the, the fact that everybody is struggling to apprehend him. And I think that And uh, you know what's interesting is the police also released something about graduation, which, again, is interesting because even if they believe this attack was targeted, again, this is obviously somebody, I think, who enjoyed killing. And if this was the first time he may have enjoyed it, he may try to do it again. And so that's when they sort of had to walk back the targeted statement and say, well, we can't say this is not a threat to the community Mm -hmm. because the guy's still out there. How do they know? Even if it was targeted, right?
0: Still. Yeah. Yeah,
1: So they were saying with graduation, it was, and I think this is interesting too. I wonder what they know here that, you know, they wanted people to be vigilant during graduation. So I wonder if they think again, that the killer is still kind of around the Moscow area and maybe attending the graduation or something like that. I know that Kaylee's mother did not want to have a proper funeral for her yet because she was worried that, The killer would show up. And again, I think a lot of criminal profilers and myself also believe that that's a very possible scenario when you have a large, like these vigils. You and I have talked about Scott Mm -hmm. Peterson before, you know, but a lot of these crimes, a lot of these perpetrators will show up at the vigils and the funerals. Uh, Again, it's something that they kind of enjoy. And so I, I think that there's a possibility that, you know, Kaylee's mom is correct that this individual would show up. At a funeral service, and like the police said, who knows? Maybe they're even at the graduation or some of these memorials they've had for these kids.
0: Right. So, what is your gut telling you? Um, because I know we're not going to speculate, but mm-hmm. there was—I um, I saw this on TikTok. Yeah. Um, someone was explaining that there was a, um, a food truck person mm-hmm. involved. Have you heard about this? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what you're explaining and how maybe this person was you know disrespected by these girls or whatever and then kind of still knew the area and knew and watched and easily could find them on social media i mean i found yeah. them i found their tiktoks and their instagrams in yeah. 20 and 15 minutes right, so right. um that i don't know cuz they apparently they kind of told this person to go fuck themselves um essentially yeah
1: and they've investigated that guy so the cops have ruled out um several people but from what I understand is just because they've ruled them out doesn't mean they can't come back to them. And the investigation if new information shows up, it just means for right now, there was a Twitch live stream from the food truck, you know, that was the last time besides the Ring doorbell camera when Kaylee and Maddie came home, which was 1 56 a.m. Mm-hmm. That was the timestamp on the Ring doorbell. The Twitch cam had them ordering a carbonara pasta and had some interactions where Maddie had flipped off this one guy who was kind of, you know, but that was one of the first people that not only the web sleuths and the Reddit people and everything had explored, but the it was also the cops did yeah. as well, you know, because it was like, Oh, here's, you know, and they were able to rule him out. They were a bunch of the girls, uh, two of the girls, Maddie and Kaylee, Maddie had a serious boyfriend. Um, he's been ruled out and Kaylee was on a break from a boyfriend. So of course, you know, people were, mm-hmm unfairly you know speculating about him uh, but they ruled him out as well Kaylee and Kaylee had called him about six times right before 3 a.m and he didn't pick up and Maddie had called him twice from her phone after that and he didn't pick up and so you know his he said that he was sleeping but again a lot of these I think would probably be pretty easy to rule out the inner circle right away too because you can just ask them for DNA you know
0: yeah and then it's like okay you yeah. i think i think they definitely have dna of the yeah. of the killer they have I, to I believe,
1: yeah i mean they, in that kind of crime scene they have to again i'm thinking about the mansion murders which was a sloppy crime scene and right. the guy tried to burn it down again right um and i i you know watched the trial or at least i read about the trial and it wasn't just the pizza crust. There were multiple pieces of DNA, even just the tiniest hair in the bedding. You know, like there's real there's so much DNA that can be extracted from a crime scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially there's, when the
1: killer's been all over the house. Oh
0: yeah, exactly. And like that much blood and just yeah. like I don't know. I feel like it it, it kind of reminds me, not reminds me, but like when how they caught Gary Ridgway. Um mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, uh, he's a King County Sheriff and then came back and ran for Congress and he came back as a sheriff and then opened the case up. Like he had saved evidence for over 20, 30 years that he knew would u- be used for DNA. But like they they ruled Gary Rid- Ridgway out multiple times throughout a 20 year period until mm-hmm. they had that DNA match. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's obviously this, this won't take that long, yeah. but I just feel like there's way too much. Yeah. Uh, it's 2022. I mean- yeah. It's only a matter of time, I think, until this person is either caught or they kill themselves or something.
1: I agree. Um, and I'm also thinking about the Delphi murders, which were recently recently apprehended someone, arrested someone, which was the two girls in Indiana, the 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had actual cell phone evidence too, voice of the guy, because right. the girls were smart enough to record. And they had some recording um, and they had the guy's voice. You know and they had a picture like from a security camera of the guy in his build you know but it took them five years the guy was working i mean he hasn't gone to trial yet but yeah. the person of the suspect right uh he was working at the local cvs in five years he was you know there and they had all this evidence um but they were finally able to get him after five years so i do think eventually it's they're him. gonna get yeah uh, well he has to go to trial but
0: yeah, it's yeah. The this is a couple of hours ago, a couple of days ago.
1: Uh, yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago. Well,
0: was the latest report. It's oh, signed, oh yeah. 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 I haven't
1: checked it in a while. Yeah. But yeah. Wow.
0: That's good. Yeah, Cause I remember like that happened like 2017. And like,
1: yeah. That's... And there were two 13 year old girls again right. was, like, yeah. in a small town. And people were, it's really unsettling for people who yeah. live anywhere, you know, in the vicinity where like they don't catch the guy. So, yeah. There's also the Hyundai Elantra. In this case, that's the white the, one. New Yeah, the white Elantra. I have heard that Canadian Border Patrol, they've asked Canadian Border Patrol to keep an eye out for this car. They don't have a license plate, but they have the the you know the the year, right? Year model of it. And so I think that's a really important piece of information because they're also saying, you know, we think the occupants or the person driving the car, the owner, will have critical information about this case. Now, this came out a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And this white Elantra was obviously spotted in the immediate vicinity of of King Road, you know, at that time frame. So you would think that the person who owned that car, likely, everybody I know has heard about the Idaho case. You know, it's all over the news. And this guy was in the area. So why hasn't someone come forward? You know, I mean, there's many reasons, again, that would all be speculation. But I do think, again, that's curious. Well, how come the, this person with the the Elantra has not come forward with any information? And right. so I think that that might be the key to solving this is finding out who was driving that car. Sure. That yes. Night.
0: 2011 to a 2013 yeah. Hyundai Elantra. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's yeah, my it's... gut. And I'm going to ask you about your gut, but my gut is the Elantra is the one of the main keys to solving this. And that there was a social media component and a stalking component mm-hmm. and that the, they had been watched and that there was a motive and a personal motive, like you said. Um, And that's what my gut's telling me. Uh, other than that, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know, but those are, those are the things that are strongly kind of speaking to me right now. What about you?
0: Well, th- I, I'm on the s- same page because I think yeah. that the, there's like, I don't think that this person, maybe they've been there they've been to a party they've seen what's going on cuz like you said this is a party house mm-hmm. um i i agree i think it's someone that's not directly involved with their inner circle and it's someone outside of their circle that maybe is jealous or is jaded or just feels some type of way towards them mm-hmm. um but yeah I, i'm with you 100% I, I agree i don't think that it's you know but see i don't know if the person is like on the run though like
1: yeah, I don't either. That's I, the thing.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're like heading out of the state or like like you know, because you think about it, it's probably like a young man, like a 20 yeah. to 30. I think year he's old around the right area. I, like I, I said, I think
1: he could be showing up at the graduation. I think yeah. he's around. Yeah. And he's ballsy. Like I said, look at the risk he took to commit this crime. Somebody yeah. who's gonna take that kind of risk, like they'll take other risks too. Right. Because again, the narcissism is it's so too high much. that it's like you know they don't think nobody's gonna catch me again look what chris watts did
0: right yeah exactly yeah you and know? i think the ethan too ethan's a big boy
1: oh yeah he's tall and he's athletic
0: yeah so like i feel like you know obviously maybe he took him out first just because like because of that element i don't know but the the, the coroner saying that they were asleep is obviously that person had an advantage because they were yeah yeah sleeping. i think
1: yeah they were ambushed in their sleep and by the time you know yeah, you're you're alert. But yeah, he had to have ambushed Ethan. Who knows? Maybe Ethan and Zana were just unfortunate, you know, bystanders that were witnesses or the other way around. Yeah. Again, we just don't know. Yeah. But I do believe the police has a lot of this information that we don't know, which again has created is what's essentially created all this speculation because we really just don't know so much that they know. That's right. what I that's also what my gut tells me.
0: So why? I get that they want to hold things close to the chest because they don't want to jeopardize the investigation, Mm -hmm. but I feel like someone who is this ballsy, this, you know, this level of narcissism, like putting that, everything that they know for the most part out into the media and let this, let social media do its thing. um, I think that would be more of a benefit than holding a lot of information just because you would put someone under pressure and maybe they would.
1: Mm -hmm. screw
0: up or do something else or do you know i don't know that's just my yeah
1: i think it's more to do with the legal system like what they Mm -hmm. can present in court and what can be used against them in court or like any slip-up they could have a case thrown out in court i think that's actually the the really important piece of the secrecy i have friends who are criminal defense attorneys and like like that. So yeah. Yeah. Like there could anything that comp and that's really the thing when they're talking about compromising the investigation. It's like anything that can't be used in court or anything that might get something dismissed, like you have to be so careful.
0: That's true. Yeah. And social media would definitely do that for sure. Like people would go down a rabbit hole like Yeah. And just make shit up and
1: wow. Yeah. Okay. And again, like they say that there's things that only the killer knows. And so they want to keep that information private. So when they interrogate them, hopefully, they may slip up and give this piece of information that nobody knows. And then boom, it's also kind of like how they interrogated Chris Watts for five hours, you know, and it's like, eventually something's going to break, something's going to slip. And so you got to keep that information really close because that once that person, the tiniest thing slips, but nobody would know that, but the killer, you know, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. You, you watch those interrogations with the woman too, the woman cop that was mm-hmm. grilling him. I mean, it was and the dad comes in and just yep. the way they used that, like the those emotions to just make him break oh, yeah. were fucking incredible.
1: Yeah. And they knew he did it. You know what I mean? They yeah, just had to right? get him to admit it. And that one tactic that they used that actually worked was, you know, coaxing him into saying, Hey, did your wife hurt the girls? Which right he would then he had this kind of false confession but that's something they actually do in the FBI is if they can even get you to commit to a lesser crime they just want to get you to admit to something so sure. then they get you and then the evidence will speak for itself in court but
0: well it's funny you say that because i watched uh, a video the other day on youtube it popped up and um because of course now all my algorithms are totally fucked because it's all violence and murder uh, so yes. and it, yeah, i know
1: you've been trying to stay away from that know, lately i'm sorry no, <laughs> no
0: it's fine uh, so i was i was watching um this this murder happened this this gay man got shot in the back of the head killed in his basement um and the the person that found them was this man and his wife and their kids mm-hmm. and, and long story short the person that killed him was the man who found him with his wife and kids who was having an affair for years with them. Um, and when they were doing the interrogation, uh, the cop literally said, he's like, you know what? He's like, and they already knew he did it. They like knew they had video evidence of him driving and everything. Oh, yeah. And they were like, they just needed him to admit to so something. So he's like, you know, I think my, my idea is, you know, it was a total accident. Like, maybe you guys got into some sort of scuffle. He mm-hmm. fell, literally just explaining it. And then the guy was just like, "Oh yeah, know, that's it. yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, okay, turn yeah. around, put your hands behind your back. Yeah, and exactly. then it was just like, is that, they're allowed to do that?
1: Yeah. They can feed them. It's a tactic that like gets them to commit to a lesser crime. That's
0: crazy. Feeds them
1: an idea. Yeah
0: that is crazy i felt like that's yeah so entrapment. then chris
1: watts was like oh yeah so now i can say my wife killed my daughters and i saw it and i got in a rage and i killed her people will understand that mm. um, but again where chris watts slipped up with that is he said that Shanann was choking the girls and he went and choked Shanann. well the cause of death was smothering right for the girls yeah and that's different you know
0: yeah, yeah he's a fucking idiot yeah um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what's, what do you think? I know we we're talking about what's going to happen, but what do you think is, how long do you think that this is going to be able to to ride out? Because you're talking a month oh. now, all the, all the, all the budgets and money that's, that, that's went into this investigation. I mean,
1: I don't know. I hear, you know, like other people said, and I agree, this is a PR nightmare for the university of Idaho. Like people are not going to want to come to this school. No. Parents aren't going to want to send their kids to this school. Well, this, psycho is out on the loose and so you know there's a lot of incentive to solve this crime i hope it's soon like i said i think there's something about the white elantra that will you know crack the case but i'm hoping it's within the next i'm hoping it's soon because again i just feel for um, all the residents of moscow and surrounding areas that are essentially going to be living in fear
0: right yeah well the And And for
1: justice, you know, for these kids like this, I mean,
0: murdered, yeah. Justice. And it's, you know,
1: I really hope that any crime like this is solved right away. And again, I'm just absolutely shocked that in 2022, somebody walked into a house, did this and walked out. And here we are a month later.
0: Yeah. And still don't know who it is. It's um, a couple, about two months ago, my uh, person that works at the company that I work at, Um, his daughter goes to a local university down, down in Virginia and he, someone, some like six foot five, like meth addict kicked in their door. And now this is a house full of four girls, um, kicked in their door, high as a kite ran through the house trying to find them or do something to them and they all luckily hid in closets and everything Mm -hmm. and the guy got in their shower and like was to it was he was running around naked in the house like so when this happened i'm like jesus christ like they're lucky that that guy didn't fight he was huge he was a giant i mean he Mm -hmm. literally ripped the door off the hinges from the front door so it made me think i'm like you know colleges i mean i'm close to university of maryland there's you know catholic university like there's a lot of off-campus um You know, living, which, you know, even on campus can be dangerous, but there's something to be said about like the universities maybe have to kind of have a little bit more of a safety, I think, uh, protocol or something when it comes to things yeah. like these because these, ch- these yeah. children are basically defenseless and yeah. they're all drunk most yeah. of the yeah i mean party.
1: my thing especially after this case and i lived off campus in college and i've been talking to my college friends about it being like oh my gosh you know because
0: you party people you partied, yeah was... oh yeah we
1: were i was lived in an off-campus fraternity house with one of my best girlfriends right. and it was a party house and people were in and out all the time right. so it was like the door was not we had two doors but like and it was also not in the safest area right um I mean, there's so many things, but I think one thing from this case that I hope everybody learns from is security cameras are key. Right. Keep, You know what I mean? Like get your parents or somebody, you know, Um, I think with these off-campus houses having not just ring doorbell bell, bell cameras, actual security cameras around the house, lights on the perimeter and the outside, the lights, the flashing lights, because I think that would be a real deterrent Um, again. The reason this guy's still out there is because and you know that there's no cameras besides a ring doorbell. Um, but I think if other people got them, that would be a real deterrent. So maybe that's a piece of it for off-campus housing. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a good point because like anytime like I'm a big believer in Turns because i have like stage like for my house i'm like a total fucking panic person so like
1: yeah, same <laughs> i'm always worried about
0: someone gonna break into my house but yeah. i have you know like i'll have signs outside i'll have literal sign that says like mm-hmm. you know this, i own a firearm like if you come in my house yeah like you don't want to come in so i think there's like levels to it but if someone really wants to get in and they mm-hmm. want to come into my house i know they want to cause me harm they're not here to just rob me and take my things and get away like right, they're right. here to cause harm so you know there's there's that element of it too and you know That probably wouldn't even have stopped this person because it sounds and it feels very much like Mm -hmm. this person was on a mission and they wanted to do these things that they did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah, we don't know, but yeah, I think security cameras, alarm systems, like get all the deterrence you can. Put the stickers in the window. That's what right. I do. You know, this house is protected by. I got yeah, yeah, right. Everywhere. Yeah, you, know, you the, know the
0: the the lights automatically turn on and shit. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah. I have all that. Yeah. I see the fox, the late at night fox. And yeah, raccoons. right, raccoons. Those are yeah, yeah. Got them all.
0: Yeah, I know. I want to see those guys. I don't want to see. Yeah,
1: guys. yeah. That's fine um, with me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take foxes, raccoons. Well done, Yeah.
0: yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so what's what's next in this case, you know, uh, as far as like press releases. I know the FBI is involved, they get they get over yeah. they have over six thousand tips or something crazy. Yeah.
1: I mean, so, some I think something's gonna break again. Um something is there's always something new, even though it's been a month, like there's always been interesting things like the the cop body cam that just released. You know, they had to have had that for a while. Sure. Um, so there, you know, that was something that they had the uh, Elantra. So I think like There's the the cops are slowly releasing the information um, and I think they're getting closer, I hope. Um, So I think what we're going to see, I think we're going to be seeing some more interesting tidbits kind of slowly being rolled out um, and hopefully again, an arrest soon.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I said, it's a matter of time. There's no way that, you know, in this day and age, someone's going to get away with something that heinous. Yeah. Anything else, Lena?
1: I think we covered
0: all the factual all stuff, because we could have been on here for two hours talking about <laughs> spec, you know, all other yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. No, we're
1: not going Yeah, those are again. There was a little speculation, but again, we called it as speculation, and we're also said, you know, we don't know. But most of this was all based on um, factual things that were released from the Moscow Police Department, and we used the language they used as well. Right. So I think that's really important. Right. Again, when you are looking at a case like this is to go by the facts.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you one question. How, Mm -hmm. since you wrote a book on narcissism and Facebook and social media, Mm -hmm. how what's the negative impact of these online sleuths and these people that have hundreds of thousands and millions of views and followers going down certain rabbit holes with them. Is that, is there a negative part of that? Oh,
1: definitely. There's lots. I mean, first of all, some of these people are harassing the victims and the families and that's awful, you know, messaging them, trying to get information out of them, um, giving access to them. And, you know, these families understandably also want the truth out about their kids. They don't want speculation and rumors. You know, there's some pretty awful things that are said about victims that are, that are just completely undeserved. And so, you know, it's the harm caused to the, to the victims and their loved ones. And also just, again, like we were saying, um, it can compromise the integrity of the case. If there's all these theories and people are flooding the tip lines and the, you know, the cops have to investigate pretty much everything that comes through. And so it can, I think it can muddle things But it's like anything, right? It's like there's pros and cons to everything. So there's pros. We know the pros to web sleuths and not just that website, just in general, people who like to, you know, figure out crime Mm. by social media. And, but, you know, there's some invasion of privacy, like going through all their Venmo transactions and Facebook posts for, you know, throughout the years. And so, and there's sort of, again, that dehumanization of the victims when we do that. Yeah, Which is like, these were real people with loved ones who died in a horrific, horrible way that like to have their privacy and everything just kind of picked apart and sensationalized and treated almost, you know, sometimes as a game, like it's a detective game and this is real life. And so I think those are all the cons of the social media aspect of it.
0: What's the positive?
1: Well, the positive is, again, you have stuff like, um, you know, the Gabby Petito case where Actually, it was a big break in the case because these van lifers with their camera were able, they spotted the van, you know, they went back to their video footage, the van that Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie were in, and they were able to find her body that way because like they saw where the van was. And that was like the last time they, you know, thought she may have been alive. And so they just walked, you know, past the van out into the the park and were able to find her remains. So, you know, there's things like that where, these people may find things that the cops don't or see things or, you know, getting information from people's cell phones and videos and all of that, you know, that can be helpful as well. So, again, there's it's it's always a mixed bag, you know. Right, I right. think it's just that having that sensitivity to the the victims and their families is is key if you're going to be a social media sleuth.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones that I've seen happen in a positive way. You've seen a documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats.
1: I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it because I'm a cat owner. One of my cats was on my lap for most of this interview.
0: You have to watch that documentary. Okay. It's crazy, but it's, you literally are watching the birth of a serial killer, like in real time. I've heard about it. Yeah. and I mean, listen, they don't show actual cats getting killed. Yeah. 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 So that's one thing I was like, I don't want to see animals getting killed and I'm back. Okay okay oh yeah i'm good um they yeah. don't really show it happening that's like right before but yeah. you kind of show the the evolution of him and leading up to a human yeah um but these internet sleuths were incredible they're the ones that found this person
1: from yeah. like yes yeah. so right right so there you go i mean it's like there are some strong positives right yeah they're gonna they're gonna find things that maybe the cops won't and so yeah there you go so we can't Can't poo-poo on it either, but yeah. Well, then I I think it's more about the sensitivity, like not harassing the victims, not creating too many rumors just based on feelings and emotions or ideas, you know, that it's not based in fact, like all of that, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, you can really. But I
1: understand why people do it too. You know, I understand that. And I think what's behind it all, the psychology, is that people want to know what happened and they want to see justice and they want to feel safe. And the idea that this person is out there just reminds us, you know, it's an unsafe world. And so I think the idea of having this person captured and arrested, you know, makes people feel that sense of safety again. And again, wanting to see justice. And so I understand people's investment in it.
0: Right. Definitely. So last thing, can you just recap what, so we can put it out there the yeah. the profile that you're hearing Criminal profilers talk about is what white
1: dude, probably twenties at most, early thirties. Um, possibly has killed animals before. No empathy, psychopathic, um, risk taking, impulsive, angry. Likely aggrieved. Again, something personal here. Probably an out uh, somebody known to them, but more on the outskirts. Not not an inner circle person. Again, probably somewhat of a stalker. They're stalking through social media, watching them, other means like that. But definitely, we're looking at a real psychopath, sadist, somebody who enjoyed this. uh, A potential making of a a future serial killer. I don't think it's a serial killer right now. It's right now. It's I think it's just a mass murder. But I think again that. this was maybe the tipping point, and that if this person enjoyed it and got away with it, who's to say it won't happen again?
0: Okay, well, there you have, it, folks. There you have it. Thank you so much uh, again, Lena. And where can people find you and your books and all your uh, social media stuff?
1: Yep, you can find me at lina.derhali.com, Instagram, therapy with Lena. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah, my books, my true crime is uh, My Daddy is a Hero, How Chris Watts Went From Family Man to Family Killer. And there's a little bit of crime in my nonfiction social media book, The Facebook Narcissist How to Identify and Protect Yourself and Your Loved Ones from Social Media Narcissism.
0: Yes, awesome. And all those will be in a link below. And Lena, thank you again for coming on and talking about this Thanks, crazy story
1: for taking. The idea and running with it. I really oh, absolutely. appreciate just our all our talks. Thank you. Yeah,
0: and I can't wait to go have nightmares. So I know. Stop <laughs> no, kidding though. No.
1: you wake um, up at 3 a.m. like I do and being <laughs> yeah. like,
0: Oh no, I'm red. Listen, yeah, but that shit ain't happening here. Knock on wood. Yeah, um, no,
1: you got Fort Knox over I'm there. I'm good. So, yeah, same yeah. year. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Knock on wood.
0: Right. Well, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode of the E Force yeah. Podcast. We'll see you next time.